It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great taste, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Generation Skywalker, and we are still in book month for this September. This show is looking at the expanded universe and someone's、uh, someone's favourite book. So we've we've got a、uh, special guest from the UK here. We've got Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, Stu. Evening, guys. Same guys there. We've also got Craig joining me from Generation Skywalker. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Rich. Great to have you on, mate. People will know that I was with you on Vintage Rebellion for five years. You are always the EU man. On the Vintage Rebellion, you always stated how much you loved it. You even came top in a, a quiz on the first visual Father Strom, didn't you? Although Grant accused you of cheating, but I won't, I won't test that, mate. Well, <laughs> <laughs>、uh, if, if you remember, I always said that when Disney came on board, they can do whatever they want with the movies, but they better leave the books alone. So, yeah, they, they, they hold that much of a special place in my heart. Those books. Well, with that in mind, then, were you disappointed when they became legend? I suppose when I first heard about it, I thought, "Oh no, what are Disney doing?" But then my logical head went into overdrive, and I thought, "Well, hold on a second, they're going to be restricted by the stories, and obviously, if characters have been killed in the books, or if you know fan favorite characters like Mara Jade were going to be involved, it would severely restrict the creativity from the Disney team." So I thought, "Right, okay, fine, there can be two separate timelines. There's plenty of other franchises have done that." And I thought, you know, just go ahead with the EU, and then keep the Disney stuff going separate. Unfortunately, looking back now, I've got to say that the creative vision from the Disney team has been pretty pathetic. I think、um, some of the Disney canon books are actually really good, especially the ones from Egmont. I think the Egmont books are far better than the, than the Del Rey novels.、Um, but nothing for me is touching the EU in the whole. You know, universe. Well, not universe, galaxy. The whole, the whole area and how they expanded on the original stories. They just haven't come close. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, a bit, a bit similar to what you were saying the other night,、um, Craig, wasn't it? Earlier in the month,、um, especially、yeah. with regards to 
there's so many books, it would have been a minefield for them to be trying to step it out. Yeah, and there's one certain character that they definitely wanted alive. Yes, you have mentioned that. Was it? And, um, let me see if I can remember this. It was um, it was Chewbacca, yeah. Yes. Well, you, you, you see, I mean, obviously it's going to come up a bit later on, but I think I, I understood why they killed off Chewbacca, and I totally get that because when you were, you know, you heard interviews with the writers, and, and Chewbacca is an incredibly difficult character to write for because he doesn't speak and he just grunts and growls, and other than him becoming, you know, a, pretty much a bodyguard for Han Solo who spent twenty years drinking coffee and, and watching from the sidelines. Uh, there was there, it was an incredibly difficult character, right? So they had to bring out a new series with a bang. Absolutely. Well, Rich, before before we move on, let me just uh, explain what we're doing here. So, following the Generation Skywalker's Rule of Five kind of idea, we we asked you, we're not looking at collecting books or any kind of non-fiction books. It was purely expanded universe novels. We asked you to choose your five favourite novels of all time over those. Uh, how long have novels been coming out? They've got to be pushing forty years as well, haven't they? Well, yeah, the original Star Wars novel, yeah. Yeah, so uh, all good there. So you had quite a range to choose from. But before we get into your choices, Rich, what is it about the Expanded Universe that, you know, not everyone delves into the books like you do, but you're but, heavily involved? Yeah, so for me, I started playing computer games in the mid-90s because computer games was always a safe, you know, area for somebody growing up in the Northeast, you know, it was... I mean, you, you obviously you've heard from the Vintage Rebellion days, you know, the, the running stories of regular beatings if you didn't conform to certain standards. But everybody played computer games, so you got away with it. Now, in the mid-90s, um, you were probably a member of some kind of book club, just like what I was. And uh, I think it was the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Book Club. And it's one of those things where you get like 10 books for a penny, and then you've got to, you know, buy a certain number per year. And one of those flyers came through the post, and in there were was the Zorn Trilogy. And, you know, I just thought, wow, the continuation of these stories beyond Return of the Jedi. Um, so I ordered those. And the reason why I went down the book route as opposed to the collecting route was purely because of the almost the shame that would have, you know, been heaped upon us if I started collecting toys as an adult. Um, and I know now it's, it's much easier now. But back then it would have been a case of like even my closest mates would have been going, you're doing what? And, uh, you know, it would have been 10, 15 years of ridicule. But even collecting books is quite tricky. So I devoured the Zorn trilogy really, really quickly. Um, then obviously, you know, did what most people did and, and leapt into the um, Kevin G. Anderson um, stories and then realized there was something missing and it wasn't a book and it didn't seem to fit. And it was a comic, which was the Dark Empire. And then I had to track that down and I didn't realize it was a comic. And when I got it, I actually died of embarrassment, and I'm almost shoved it in a carrier bag, and brought it home, stuck it in, stuck it on my bookshelf, and just left it because the trauma of being caught with a comic book as a kid, you know, that that was just an ultimate beatdown, you know, and st still things like that would still resonate easily, easily in the in the mid '90s. So for me, it was just always a continuation of the stories. I, I always wanted the Lord of the Rings novels to continue, you know. I always wanted another author to you know, to start continuing some of those tales based on, you know, I know Tolkien left very few drafts, but there were there were some initial story ideas. Um and I was pleased to get them with um with Star Wars. And I, I do I think some of them are dreadful. I think there are some dreadful novels and I think some most of the novels wouldn't have made good movies at all. But the germs in the, the seeds of ideas in the books were were, were entertaining. I thought they were fantastic in, in the whole. What is your least favourite book? As we're not covering that. The least favourite I've got to say, some of them, like the Black Feet, 
the, the Black Fleet crisis I thought was pretty dull where they were just chasing these ships for three books and nothing seemed to happen. I wasn't a fan of the Bounty Hunter trilogy either. Um, I didn't think that was a great set of books. Um, I think it more so depends on the authors. I think Karen Travis, um, some of her books is, are amazing. Um, if you haven't read any of her novels, you, you've got to. Some of it just tends to focus on clone troopers and the 501st and things like that, but some of her novels are absolutely brilliant and anything that Zahn seemed to do was great. Um, but there are some dreadful ones. Um, the one that the courtship of Princess Leia, that that was that was so bad, such a bad book. Yeah, that, that, I think it was Dave Wilton, Wilverton had written that. He's definitely you know some kind of he's definitely got a sex pop in that guy. You know, it was just there was stuff in there that didn't belong in a Star Wars book. It's interesting how much they they kind of ran with from that book, the Night Sisters and Aphemir mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. That seemed to stick. Yeah, but I'd yeah. agree with you on the on the Black Fleet crisis novels they were lando suddenly turned into sherlock holmes he's <laughs> yes, a brilliant absolutely. strategist and detective and um and i really found the bounty hunter books a real slog mm-hmm. yeah so, so you're in agreement but you yeah but you clearly liked the courtship of leia that's the uh i didn't say i liked it i said yeah. that there a lot of elements that, that ended up kind of running through <laughs> Well, so Rich, what kind of percentage have you read of the books? Oh, from the original EU, I'm probably only one or two novels short. I don't know how many books there are. I, I must easily have over 100, easy. Wow, so you're well read when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Out, out of the old EU, I mean, obviously, mostly it was comics because getting some of the comics was quite tricky, especially ones that are set like 150 years, that, you know, the le- legacy comics and things like that. Some of them are quite tough. And every time I start to go down the route again i go back to the start and making sure i've got the tales of the jedi series which was set like five thousand years before star wars I, I lost interest in some of them around the the clone wars so i think the clone wars have been mined to death you know i think that's what started turning me off some of the eu books the amount of books that were coming out i didn't like the yoda book i thought the yoda book was weak but i would say of the of the novels if i haven't got them all and if i haven't read them all i must only be missing one maybe two are you are you reading one at the moment i've asked everyone this so far i've had on um i'm not actually because i'm i've I've abandoned some of my um, other sci-fi and fantasy books. So I'm reading, um, who is a Star Wars author, actually. I'm reading some of the Shannara Chronicles from um, Terry Books, which are not great stories. And the, the first one is definitely a clone of The Lord of the Rings. And I don't care what anybody says. There's so many similarities to The Lord of the Rings in these books. It's unreal. And how he never got done for plagiarism is beyond me. But um, I'm at the end of like a, a, a nine-book series. So I'm, I'm going to finish that off. And then I'm going to go back and start picking up some of the Egamont, um Disney books. Brilliant. Right, well, so let, let's delve into your five that you sent me then, and, and we'll take them in the order you sent me. I don't know whether that was your order of your favourite or just a random pick out of, of books, but uh, you started with, that. the first one you suggested was um, Fate of the Jedi Omen. Right, okay, so the Fate of the Jedi series seemed to get a lot of negative feedback from some of the fans and when i was on some of the forums back in the day like jedi net and things like that that series was absolutely panned but i loved it um the series before it which oh, legacy of the force i think and that was when jason and Jaden, um han leah's uh, kids um one had turned like dark side you know it was light side and the, and the, the wrapped that whole lot up um i thought well, where are they going to go now and then this fate of the jedi series came out and it was completely different and omen um, which I think is the second book in that series. The reason why I picked that one is because it really looked at the going right back to what the Sith actually were, way before the Rule of Two. 
and it introduced so many backstories that that had their own life you know um and it pretty much it it introduces the lost tribe of the sith and i found the lost tribe of the sith absolutely fascinating because we've all got an idea in our head of who the sith are you know these evil guys who want who want power and things like that but in the fate of the jedi series and especially in omen they are introduced well very briefly introduced as this race but you see everything from them. You see good Sith. You see neutral Sith. You see bad Sith. You see bounty hunter Sith. You know there were so many different factions to the Sith, and I was absolutely fascinated going through that series. Um, you know, I, th- I thought it was a really, really good start to a brand new series, and I like the way they did it as well because there were three authors: Aaron Alston, who I think is absolutely fantastic. He's one of the funniest um, authors, um, and he's sadly missed. Uh, he's one of the funniest authors I've read. Uh, Christy Golden's a great author as well. And Troy Denning. Um, you might not know that Christy Golden, who um, always did the second, uh, fifth, and eighth of the books, that did the, he, uh, he did the middle of each of them. Um, it was supposed to be Karen Travis, which would, which would be a shame because I love Karen Travis, but she couldn't commit to the series. Uh, and Troy Denning's always solid, although another book series I didn't like was the one with those Vilics or whatever they're called. That was a hard read as well. Um, but... The way that they cyclically um, reproduced these trilogies of books was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I loved I loved the Omen in particular just because it started teasing things. And it teased a character um, who we didn't know who it was until later on. And then we'll find out it was a character called Abeloth, who is one of the best characters I've, I've, I've seen in Star Wars. Um, for those who aren't aware, it's, she's not really... Sith and she's not really Jedi and she's just something in the middle and she doesn't have a form and she can take possession of others and it was it was such a, a great character at the start of being teased out out of woman um so that's why I went with that one just it it was just one of the best books I think the one previous to that was more wrapping up the previous um Legacy of the Force um set of books whereas Omen started the whole you know path of where they were going to go to next um, I like the idea of Luke Skywalker being in kind of trouble for what happened with the Jedi and about, you know, how everybody turned against him. Um, and it wasn't a case of like what's happened with Disney where he, he legged it and ran off. Um, it was much more of a case of um, he had to go and discover something and he took um, Bernie's son with him and they went off on a, on a, you know, discovery trying to chase down this last tribe of the Sith. Um, I think there's definitely Dave Filoni must have had some kind of input somewhere in that kind of storyline because there's themes coming out of that that's definitely in the the mortis arc of the clone wars um especially abeloth who could easily have been the mother of the um the son the daughter and the father in that uh, trilogy of uh, yeah the mortis arc and uh, from clone wars but you know omen omen itself it teased so much and it led the next books up really really nicely it was it was so well done in regards to the timeline of the movies where where do these books sit Right, so uh, Fate of the Jedi was released in uh, 2009, and it's set 35 years after Star Wars. So uh, that's not going to be too far off from when The Force Awakens started, I suppose, really. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a good way beyond um, Jedi. In fact, most, well, all of the favourite books are definitely post-Jedi because I loved where they were going. I, I'm, I'm not always a fan of where they've come from. Although one or two of my books um, before then are, are you know, some of my favourite as well. Um, so, yeah, it's like it's coming right to the end of the EU. Um, I was really looking forward to where Fate of the Jedi was going to take them to and whether there would be a Fate of the Jedi and Fate of the Sith coming afterwards. But it's obviously sadly all that got cancelled. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. That's a great um, the great summary of what was what was going on. I I actually enjoyed the series as well. Um, I think you've got a real good kind of contrast between some very otherworldly, you know, the the, the force elementals, the stuff going on with Abeloth is is fascinating, and like you say, it does link back to other work that's that's come since. Um, the Lost Tribe of the Sith, I thought, was a great concept, and I enjoyed the sort of background book to that, the collection of short stories that they that they, they put into one novel. Uh, and then the stuff that was happening back in Civilization, back in the uh, you know in in the uh, in the New Republic, it's it, it kind of had a lot of very real world parallels to what was going on. There's lots of stuff about sort of politics and the media in particular, you know, like good sci-fi reflected what was kind of going on, you know, what, what's going on in, in, in society at that time. And but in, a bit similar to where Battlestar Galactica went with, you know, their, their, their retelling of that story and, and looking at you know, terrorism and, and, and sort of the politics around that. So all those things kind of combined was, was really, really good and it really worked. Would you boys rather have seen this than The Force Awakens? Yes, there's no doubt about it. Um, when I, I was probably the most critical out of us about The Force Awakens, um, and it's interesting to note that a lot of people now are seeing kind of similar to what I said. I, I do find The Force Awakens very much a reboot of A New Hope at times. And it just it didn't push the boundaries for me. It was just far too safe. Um, it was such a safe movie. Um, I, I do I love The Last Jedi. I'm really going to defend it. Yes, it's got its problems. But The Last Jedi did push the boundaries, but it still didn't push the boundaries enough. Um, and then Rise of Skywalker is kind of like an EU book or an EU kind of series that were uh, books that were never made into a movie um, and that was the one that was starting to head towards where I think the EU may have gone um, but I think the, the EU is a concept across everything that was made would have made better movies um, than what they came up with. Interesting well it sounds good uh, one question I will ask you, you said um, about a series of books and then you said that Christy Golden had I'd written two, five, and eight. How many is in the series? Nine. So it, it's it's three trilogies, although it's not really three trilogies. It's a set of nine books. Um, so at the end of book three, it's not wrapped up, and then another trilogy comes along. It was always going to be nine books, um, but they always write them in the same order. So it, it goes one, two, three, you know, then four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So they do them in the same order each time. Um, and yet there's not really that much of a jar in... Um, you know, if you read books, you think, oh, it's going to be a completely change in writing style. But there's not really. They've, they've clearly worked so closely together that you could read these books and not really pick up on who's written which one, which is possible a criticism in some of the other series. You know, because I think in, in some of the other series, you would you would read a book and then you turn around and look at the author when you were through and go, ah, that makes sense. Join the cover of it as well. Yes. I mean, the black... <laughs> The Black Fleet Crisis, as as I mentioned before, another thing, the reason why I don't like that is them book covers are horrendous. I think the, the, the purple, red, and uh, I think the one's blue, they just didn't fit with anything other than anything else that was released before or after. It was just ridiculous. Second second book. This is the one I have read. Tales <laughs> from Moss Eisley Cantina. Right, okay. So I could have really picked any of the tales from books because I think they're all really, really good. Um, tales from the New Republic is a great read, but I wanted to go with something that was really early on. Um, so Tales from the Mosasvia Cantina uh, was released, I think it was August 1995, and it's 16 short stories that have been collected together into one novel. Now, the reason why I love this is because whenever we watched Star Wars as a kid, 
that cantina scene, everybody remembers it. Absolutely everybody. Non-Star Wars fans, Star Wars fans, you know, doesn't matter what you, what you enjoy, everybody remembers that scene. And it, it is a very, very short scene. And we as children would act out some of those, you know, character stories like Snaggletooth and Hammerhead and Greedo and things like that. But this book takes many of those characters and basically discusses how and why they ended up in the cantina and what happened to them after the cantina. And I found them all absolutely fascinating stories. They were really, really good. None of them, not one of them I had in my head was anywhere near accurate to what I would have dreamed of, you know, like Greedo's backstory, which is a bit of a shame, actually, because um, I know you like Greedo, Stu, but he's, he's pretty much a, a complete wimp um, in this book, and he's, he's kind of tricked into going to confront Han Solo by some other kind of bounty hunters who knew that Han Solo was going to kill him. Um, and it was, it's quite a convoluted plot as to why Greedo was there in the first place. But I really liked the, the fact that these authors have picked one character and, you know, woven these stories together to all fit that very, very short sequence that happened in A New Hope. Yeah, I'm just looking through the, um, the different tales in there. Um, first of all, Greedo's a wimp. Well, it's only legend, mate. It's not canon. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what, what characters are covered in here, then? We don't do weddings. The band's tales, obviously, about the band. The Biths, yeah, the Biths are in it a lot. Um, Hammerhead has a story, but well, I, I always remember, I don't know if you remember, Craig, but when I read that Hammer story, Hammerhead story, I was actually felt really bad because he gets so badly beaten up. And the way it's described is that his, his eye popped out of the stalk. You know, he was, he was and how old was I in 1995? Um, so was I 20? Was I younger than 20? Uh, no, yeah, so I would have been 19. And I remember reading the story thinking, bloody hell, they've, they've, they've severely beaten up Hammerhead to a pulp. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. I said, like, what have they done? He's such a gentle character. They kind of portrayed that race as real hippies, didn't they? Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> who's got the most surprising backstory in there then? Who's who's Ranat? Oh, you know, we're asking. Um, the Ranat's tail. Who's the little rat character? I was just about to say that. The one that people often. Is that the the one who some people think is um, Snaggletooth as well? Um, there's a Stormtrooper story in there that was pretty good. And another one I remember as well was the one with the farmer, the moisture farmer, um, who basically uh, takes pity on the sand people. Um, and he helps the sand people um, farm for water. Uh, that That's actually, I know it sounds naff, but it's actually a pretty good story. I really like that one. Have you read Kenobi, Rich? Yes. Yes, I have. So that gives, the, um, gives you a bit more heart and a bit more romance. It does. Yeah. Doesn't Absolutely, it? they're just like a feral, a feral group of humans, aren't they? Yeah, very much like uh, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the surprising ones for me was the um, the, the Danic Jericho character. The, um, the, there's a chap stood at the bar, he's a very tall, thin guy, and he's smoking that pipe mm-hmm. in that kind of hooker. The, you know, his backstory is that he's a vampire, and he's got these kind of proboscis that kind of come out of his cheeks and sucks the life force out of people. <laughs> Yes, yes. You don't see any of that on screen. It's just a guy smoking a hooker pipe at the bar. But yeah, that was a real kind of curveball, I thought, for a, <laughs> for a character. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, there was one about Wuha as well, um, about how he ended up with the cantina. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it was it was a whole it was the whole story about how he hates droids and why he hates droids, um, and how he ended up in the cantina. That that was an interesting story as well. Um, but the, I don't think there was a bad tale in any of them. Um, obviously, it was going to be one on Dr. Everson and Ponda Barber as well. 
Um, but I think the, the Stormtrooper one for me was 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 quite strong. Um, I like that. I know this. It isn't in this book, but in the Tales from the Empire, no, uh, the one from Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, is that Tales from the Bounty Hunter? I can't remember now. Anyway, but there was a, um, a story in there about a um, a general in the no, he wasn't. He was a cadet, and he was um, he was flying um, a snowspeeder, and it was on simulation, and it was about how you're going to take down an at-at. And obviously all these cadets were failing because they were, they were trying to destroy the AT-AT with torpedoes and they were trying to, you know, and it was all about, look at these, our AT-ATs, no, nothing can bring them down. And this cadet from the Empire used the um, tow cable and wrapped the legs around the AT-AT. The AT-AT went down, crushed, um, got destroyed. And then the, the, the general wiped the footage, shipped the cadet off to some backwater, you know, planet in the, in the middle of absolutely nowhere um and then they got rid of all that evidence and i thought that was a brilliant story it was that was so the empire oh my god there's a fault with the art that's what we're going to do we'll ship this guy off somewhere and we'll wipe the footage i thought that was amazing you know stories like that are really really good yeah you're right there's there was two from empire i'm just looking at them here tales from mosaza cantina tales from jabba's palace tales of the bounty hunters tales from the empire and tales from the new republic mm-hmm. you recommend recommend all five of them do you? all of them they, they, they're just nice easy bite size books and they're far better than that 40 Years of a New Hope book that came out, you know, last year, and I think the Empire one's coming out. If it's not coming out this year, it must be very early next year. Um, those original books were, were were just so good. They were so fun, you know. There was they weren't interwoven and all these delicate threads, you know. They were they could just go wherever they wanted to. I think as long as these guys ended up in that cantina for that short spell, they had free reign, and they, they were great stories. Interestingly, they they picked a couple of those um, and created them as standalone audiobooks. I, yeah, was, I didn't know that. I think the um, the we don't do weddings, the one about the band and the one mm-hmm. about the night lily. Oh yeah, yeah. The the sort of the date that goes wrong, but yeah, yeah. you can you can buy those on cassette oh. <laughs> as standalone stories. But I mean, the night lily one. I mean, some of these are almost bridging into almost a kind of horror. You know that they're not really science fiction all the time you know that they're definitely going to different genres night lily what, what characters are we talking? that's the one where a guy basically sleeps with this alien who is a bit like a black widow and kills the kills the man after she's mated with him yeah it's quite it is one of the strongest stories in that set there you go good family fun <laughs> <laughs> good choice rich good choice um so third choice then we move on to X-Wing Rogue Squadron. Yes. A bit different, this one. And I was really, really wary of getting into them. Now, X-Wing Rogue Squadron came out January 96, and this was set maybe a year after Return of the Jedi. And the reason I was wary of getting into it is because I didn't like the title of the second book, which is Wedge's Gamble. And I thought, well, Wedge was only in Star Wars for like seconds. You know, why would there be a book about Wedge? Um, but obviously, once you're reading the other novels and Wedge is in it frequently, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to go back and read the X-Wing. So there were 24, I think it's 24, anyway, there's 24 comics um, that, that are also called X-Wing and come under the Rogue Squadron banner. Um, but you don't need to read those comics. And the first four, um, I contacted Dark Horse oh, years ago now, maybe about 1999. And I said, look, you can't get these first four comics in any of the trade paperbacks because they always started a comic number five. I said, so why can't you get the first four? And they said that the first four were so disjointed from the rest of the series they were trying to distance them from them. 
However, since then, and I don't know whether that was when um, they were taken over by, I can't remember now who overtaken them, but I know, I know that the company was bought out by somebody else. Um, whether they have released it as a, as a proper set of four, but those first four comics, if you've got them, are pretty tough to track down. Now, when I've read them, I thought they don't, you know, it's not as if they suddenly kill off Luke, Luke Skywalker or something like that. You know, there's nothing majorly obviously wrong with the first four comics, and I'd love to know what the real reason is. Um, but the, the books came out, I don't know, maybe about six months after the comics. And the reason why I was hesitant was because they don't really fe- feature the big three. And X-Wing Rogue Squadron didn't have Han, Luke or Leia in it at all. And I remember thinking, am I going to like this book or not? Because, you know, everybody wants to know what happens to Luke and Leia in, in Han. How many people watched Return of the Jedi and thought, I wonder what happened to Rogue Squadron? You know, there's, there's not a lot of people who would have done that. Um, but... It sets up, and I think, again, I think there's nine books, but I think from memory, Mark Stackpole wrote the first four, and then Aaron Alston wrote the next four or three, and then Mark Stackpole wrote another one, and I don't know if Aaron finished it off. Uh, But there's nine books in that series, and it's a fantastic series of nine books, one of the best sets of any of the Star Wars novels. And the reason why I really like Rogue uh, Rogue Squadron is because it took the gamble that paid off so Wedge is the main character in there. Um, Tycho, who becomes a much bigger character later on, is also a prominent character in there. But what I like about it is the fact that it's not all um, fairy tales and unicorns and roses for the for the characters. Um, Wedge is very much, we want Rogue, Wadron, uh, Rogue Squadron set up, but you've got to pick these pilots because we need these star systems to join into the Republic. And these systems are too neutral so we need you to get some aliens we need you to get you know and and it's about wedge's struggle trying to set up um a training program and most of the pilots you know they get killed off because they're not good enough to be in rogue squadron and wedge wants Tycho, but the the rebel leaders don't like Tycho because there was rumors that he was an imperial spy in the past um so Tycho is not actually allowed to fly anything and he's got to be under observation all the time but as you can guess in that kind of story Tycho is obviously going to have a real main part to play later on um, and I, I read through that book so quick I haven't read as many books as fast as I did in that one but I was just enthralled by it I love the protagonist who is um, Isan Icehard and she becomes a bigger character herself later on in the, in, in, the, in the novels and it introduces some of the characters like Corrin Horn who becomes much bigger later on and I just like the whole idea about the X-Wing Rogue Squadron, about trying to form an elite group. And I think the current movies have suffered from not having Rogue Squadron. If there's a space battle, it was always poor. You know, it always focused on poor. We didn't know who, you know, Black 1, Black 2, Black 3, we didn't know who those were. And, and Rogue Squadron took all of those characters from, you know, A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, well, at least their numbers, and, and give them back to us again and give her new stories about Rogue Squadron. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was a fantastic book. Um, Michael Stackpole was, for me, one of the key people who drove the EU. Just reading, actually, it says here that it's the first novel not to feature any of the heroic trio with Luke, Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's always a gamble. First book that's going to step outside of the, the lovable heroes. But... Well, it's too easy to have uh, something like Rogue Squadron where everybody's failing and then there's one ship left and Luke Skywalker comes in and, and, and there's Rogue Five again and, and comes along and saves the day. It was too easy to do that and they kept away from all of that. And yes, Han, Luke and Leia do appear in the Rogue Squadron, book, uh, Rogue Squadron books later on, uh, but they're always minor characters. They're always just passing through or having meetings and you don't miss them. 
you, you absolutely do not miss them at all. I couldn't agree more with your appraisal of this series, Rich. It's it's great. I I too devoured it. I think it's very accessible, and you you would think on you know from the outside looking in, it's a bit militaristic. It's about the hardware. It's about the ships. It's a bit macho, but it was such a great sort of character study. You, you got to care about these people very quickly. Um, I thought Corin Horn was a great character um, as your as your access point into kind of his his involvement with the, with the squad. And yeah, you know, they zip along. They they zip along at a pace. What I wish they'd done was, um, I wish they did a TIE Fighter series because I would like to know about the TIE Fighter pilots. And I know that um, uh, Baron Fell had his, you know, 501st in the in the comics and Baron Fell was a key character uh, later on or his son, I can't remember the name of the other Fell character now. Um, but I would like to have seen the Empire's version of that and what they were doing and... You know, kind of a bit like what we've seen in the Mandalorian with the biker scouts, which I think is the best part. One of the best parts of Mandalorian is that two biker scouts just prattling on and, and firing with these defective weapons. I would like to have seen their side of it and for them complaining about the quality of their equipment and how they went about training and did they all think they were expendable because the rogues were told clearly they were expendable, but they all threw themselves in every mission. And yes, it got a bit silly at times by, like, for example, um, a Gamorrean guard flew one of the X-Wings and an Ewok with stilts flew an X-Wing. But it it was done so well that you just accepted it, you know, because Aaron Alton's one of the, I think was the first one called Wraith Squadron from memory. That's right, Um, yeah. The Bunch of Misfits. Yeah, the Bunch of Misfits. And it's just so funny. You just, if you're going to take it serious, you don't don't follow Star Wars if you're going to take it serious, something like that. You do Star Trek. But for, for such a funny funny set of tales you know Raid Squadron kept it going and the best thing they did I think was not continued Rogue Squadron when, the, when they're going to bring in the Gamorrean Guard and they're going to bring in all these characters they had a, a, like a, an oddball unit and they were so good and then they bring Rogue Squadron back into it later on you know yeah, can't praise that series enough love to see I would love to see um, Disney do a show featuring Rogue Squadron like a TV series mm. 10 books didn't realise, didn't see that coming. It was a 10, I thought it was 9. Um, I think they, they brought, didn't they bring Raid Squadron back for Mercy Kill at the end? Oh, they did, yes, Mercy yeah. Kill, yes. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. So This is a good one for um, the collector as well, you know. there's. I'm just, just looking here now, you've got loads of different artwork. German, Japanese, Russian, Polish, Spanish, <laughs> UK. So, uh, some variants to get there, Rich. Yeah, I'm for, for, <laughs> forget, forget variants. <laughs> Another one to uh, to check out then, yeah. Not, not and and the comics. Some of those comics were really good as well. Some were terrible. Um, the Warrior Princess from memory was was a bad one, but there were some really really good comics as well. Especially when Baron Feller came into it. No idea what you're talking about. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> to get into it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do enjoy them. It's just a uh, yeah. Sometimes when I read, I want to read stuff that's not Star Wars that takes up my days most days. So yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... it's it's a different type of Star Wars though. It it, it does. It, I think when they when they launched it, they 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 build it as kind of Top Gun, Star mm-hmm. Wars Top Gun, you know. And they, they you do get these these stories throughout the EU that that kind of do lift other properties. Um, there's a story called Shatterpoint, which is which is Mace Windu going up river to find a rogue uh, Jedi, which is just Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of books um, which follow um, a kind of mobile army surgical hospital, which is very similar to Match. <laughs> so you do get these these parallels sometimes. Yeah. If you like Rogue One, this would be the set of books that are going to be so closest to that kind of, we've got to 
do something to get something to get out you know that's a kind of yeah you know, sounds interesting yeah um right so moving on to book four and i've mm. seen yeah. Vector Prime, written by Ron Salvatore, not the Ron Salvatore that collectors will know. Yeah, so this came out in October 1999, and I think it was needed. I think the franchise needed a fresh wave because it was, I think the Black Fleet Crisis was just before it, the Corellian Trilogy was not long before this as well, and it was getting to a point, and I've always been critical of movies where characters need to die. You know, and there weren't enough deaths for me in The Last Jedi, and there definitely weren't enough deaths in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and yes, The Force Awakens killed off Han Solo, but it wasn't really Gamble. He, if anybody was going to be killed off, it was him. So Vector Prime came along, and they quite clearly thought, right, we need a fresh start, what we're going to do. Um, we can't bring the Sith back just yet, it's too soon. Um, we fought the Empire for, what, up to that point? I think this might be 20 years after um jedi so we fought the empire for the best part of 20 years surely they're defeated now and they thought you know what what's out there what's what what's outside of the whole star wars galaxy that i know of so this book brings in a brand new set of characters and these characters what i like about them is they don't care about jedi they don't care about sith they haven't even heard of them they've just come into this galaxy to take over and it very much reminds me of v and i loved v the tv series um, so these characters are aliens um, who can, um, you know, infiltrate, you know, they, they know about politics, they can take over, they're ruthless. Um, and some things in here were fantastic. I mean, the fact that the Jedi couldn't detect them, it was just they were blank. They, they couldn't read them at all because they were from a different galaxy. Um, they were completely alien. And I, I love that concept. And I know there was a little bit of that in the Zahn trilogy where the Islamiri pushed back the force but these were different they just couldn't detect them at all there was just nothing there and i loved that um and i, I loved the fact that also that these were highly skilled so a jedi and i want to say it was corin horn we had a battle with one of the using bong and it was a really really good battle and it was a clever way that corin had killed um, the other character um but the, the jedi were not getting the upper hand because if you put the jedi up against any of the empire characters the war was going to win um, but against these Yuz and Vong, the Yuz and Vong were quite capable of, of, of matching them and defeating the Jedi. Now, what I also like about these books, um, I don't know if you know this, Craig, but a lot of these books were re released as hardback and paperback, but some were only released as paperback and mm -hmm. never as hardback. And that's because there are so many of them. There, there are at least 20 of them, at least 20 books. But the, the reason why they've done them that way is if, if you don't want to read all 20 books, you read the ones that were just released in hardback and you got the story. Whereas the paperbacks that come in between them that weren't released as hardback, they are just continuations and you could miss those books out and it won't change the overall, you know, journey of the story. Um, but I, I ate everything I could up with those books. The one disappointment I had was that one of the books was released as an e-book only and it was the first time they had done it. And I was just like, how how can a collector get an ebook when I, I you know, I didn't want it? And I actually, I got a PDF, and I, I remember getting a PDF, and I read the PDF, and I felt dirty, and I was kind of like, it's exactly the same. What 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 do I do with this? So I, I actually printed it out, hole punched it, and put it in a folder. But then another story came out. But then luckily, the the book was actually released inside the paperback version of another book, and that annoyed us because. I'd, 
I meant that some of the hardback books I got, I had to buy again as paperback to get the ebook version of the story. And quite often they were put together with books from different um, sequences. So you might find a book in the Vector Prime area, but it was released with the Legends of the, you know, the, or the, the Fate of the Jedi, something like that. So that's that's when it started going downhill for me. But um, oh, the book began with a Y, I can't remember what his name, what it was called now. Um, but yeah, that book in particular, and Killing Chewbacca off, I know Ron Salvatore got a lot of abuse for that, a lot of abuse, and people <laughs> hated it, hated it. But I actually went, good on you, because if you read all the books at that point, it was kind of like Chewie did the same thing over and over and over again. Han Solo was very poorly written. I don't know if, what you think about Han Solo's character, Craig, but I think Han Solo, a lot of the time, was a tired man who would sit with a cup of calf watching things, yeah. didn't want to get involved in the politics, went and had a punch up, come back, back on the calf, and he was just like that all the time. So the fact that the kill Chewie made his character better, I think, because you saw a different emotion from Han Solo from that point on. So there was a couple of books afterwards where he goes off the rails, isn't he? Completely off the rails, yeah, where he almost, he almost you know, lets one of his sons die, and then obviously his son does die later on, yeah. Can I ask a question? I've never read this. How does they kill Chewbacca? Is it like a, a really dynamic and kind of explosive end? Or was mm. it, it some real weak you, killing? You couldn't get much more explosive. So, so basically, the, the, the Falcon's taken off, and the ramp is lifting, and I don't know which other characters, but the, the characters are getting on. Chewbacca is the last, and I think Anakin Solo is the second last, possibly. Yeah. And I think I think Chewbacca helps Anakin to get onto the Falcon, but Anakin cannot help Chewbacca get on. So the ramp comes up, it shuts off, the Falcon takes off, and a moon comes down and crashes into the planet that Chewbacca's on. Uh, so basically, he's, he's, he's hit by a moon. And the way it's described in the book is basically there's, is that Chewbacca stands there and he, he just shakes his fists up in the air and yells. Um, I can't remember if Han Solo knows at that time what's happened or if they take off and then he realises later on what's happened. But yeah, he, he's killed by a moon. Drop well, on his head. Is that dramatic enough for you, Stu? Yeah, I didn't didn't see that coming, to be fair. Um, <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> well, yeah. I should hope so too. He's got a great moon heading at him. <laughs> I take it this is set quite a way after uh, Jedi again? Uh, yeah, after Jedi, you're probably looking at about 16, somewhere between 16 and 20 years from memory. Yeah, a, a long time after Jedi. The, the characters are starting to become old and a lot of the younger characters are taking over at this point. Not, um, I know we've mentioned the covers a, a few times near, but uh, not one that would have gripped me if I saw it on the shelf with that mm-hmm. funny, like, a skeleton chap. Yeah. Well, that's why I say it reminds me of V. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. It was a bit, it was a really big deal at the time. I mean, they, they got Mark Hamill back to voice over, well, to, to you know, to, to voice over the ad as Luke. He reprised his role in effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, recommendation of this one. I'm, I'm going to ask you in a minute what you're going to recommend me to read first out of your list. But um, Vector Prime. Yeah, I did have to Google it when I when I saw it come up. But uh, yeah, interesting. So, your last book, uh, Rich, which um, we did an intro show, um, and we all had to bring one book to the table that that we love in any aspect of Star Wars. And and Dan Burgess did actually pick this exact book. So, Darth Plagueis is your final choice. Well, I could have easily went with another post-Jedi book, 
Um, but I thought, look, I'm going to have to look at the prequels because there are some good prequel books. Um, you know, and the, there are some good books that are set around the time of the of the Clone Wars. And now I think about it, I, sh- I should have picked one of the Karen Travis books because they are such a, a good set of books to read. But I went with Dark Plagueis because I thought, you know what, I, I did really enjoy this book. And it's it's a one that you can get into without reading 50 other novels. It's 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 just such a standalone one. All you need to have done is watch The Phantom Menace. So... Uh, it came out in January 2012, which is you know, eight years ago now, more, more than eight years ago. Um, and what's interesting about it is it adds so much depth to The Phantom Menace. Um, and that, like, how many people knew that Darth Plagueis was actually alive during The Phantom Menace. Um, you know, and that Darth Sidious was actually still his apprentice at the time. And it was, and it was about how Darth Plagueis had actually set so many things in motion... But he didn't realise that Darth Sidious was already playing him well before Darth Sidious was playing his master, you know, plan. Um, so in this one, um, basically Plagueis, well, it starts off actually with Plagueis dying. Um, and then after the initial start of that, it goes back 35 years. I mean, that's not much of a spoiler word. Obviously, everybody knew Plagueis had died. Um, but it was it was done quite well that way. Um, and it starts off with Plagueis being younger and he discovers that another Sith apprentice is being trained by his master. So he kills his master and takes the apprentice over his own. Now, because of that, he's then on the path to, I can't die. You know, you know, I can't have anybody hunting me down. I can't have anybody challenging me. So he hunts down and kills all the other potentials. And it experiments a lot of them trying to control the midi-chlorians. And in this book, it tells also about Darth Maul. So um, Sidious um, goes to Dathomir. Um, is given Darth Maul, and then he takes Darth Maul over to Mustafar, um, and then he gets trained in secret. So not only has Darth Plagueis got Darth Sidious as his apprentice, Darth Sidious also starting off his apprentice as well. So you can see things are automatically you know in play, and both Plagueis and Sidious um, they think that Anakin might have been created by Darth Plagueis playing around with midichlorians, trying to create the life from nowhere. Um, suggesting that Anakin might have been a Sith experiment. Um, and now, obviously, that wasn't taken much further on. Um, and, you know, the rumours of that last, the 25th issue of the most recent Vader comic series by Disney, it doesn't tell you who um, Anakin's dad was, you know. So there was all this hype about it, Anakin's dad's revealing the comic. He wasn't, so don't don't buy it if you think that's what's going to happen. Um, but it makes the events of The Phantom Menace so much bigger because we, we see... Sidious and Plagueis' interview, um, such as, you know, it was Plagueis who was the one who, you know, convinced um, Dias to go to, you know, to Camino to start commissioning the clones and all that kind of stuff. And, and Plagueis is leading all of that, but it's actually Sidious who's leading Plagueis to lead all of that, you know, so it's it's a it's a it's such a great interwoven tale. Yeah, it does sound good. It's, it's, to me, it sounds like um, they were going to do a series or a, or a standalone film. It would, would fit perfectly in the old, the old line-up. Mm-hmm. Craig, thoughts on this one? Yeah, occasionally you get these books that really, you know, add something to the to the Star Wars lore, and this is this is one of them. And there's a lot going on, um, and it really, as Rich said, it enriches the the prequels. Um, and it, it, you know, he's a fascinating character. Um, he's got this mad scientist kind of angle to him with all these experiments and things, just underground labs, and it's yeah, it's a really good, really good read. And if people want to dip their toe into the EU or the Legends, particularly it's a really good place to start because it's it's quite self-contained uh, the history of the book itself is interesting because 
I think they were always going to look at Palpatine's background, but the original novel that they were working on was to see if Qui-Gon Jinn and Palpatine were pretty much similar characters, just on different sides of the the Jedi Sith. And was Qui-Gon Jinn himself also wanting to create life, you know? And it was a really interesting um, plot that they sketched out before it was cancelled completely because they decided they weren't going to do Palpatine's backstory. Um, but then three or four year, years later, from memory, they restarted it all again, but with a different storyline. But I like the idea that Qui-Gon Jinn is very, very like Palpatine in what he may have been, you know, willing to do. Interesting. Certainly one that I'm going to return to once I finish maybe my current book, Darth Plagueis. I think it's, um, I, I bought it as an audio book and I listened to it. But, you know, when you do stuff, I don't think you're really taking what you're listening to. And I, mm-hmm. I'll have to have a search because I will still have it somewhere. Rich, if out of these five books, if um, we could wipe your memory that you've not read one of them so you could enjoy it fresh again, which one would you choose? I think I would have to go with the X-Wing Rogue Squadron because by doing that, I'm then going to read the other 10. Um, so you've actually given us 10 books there by doing that one. <laughs> you might have read the other nine. I thought, oh, actually, oh, this makes sense miss, now. Miss, <laughs> miss book one out. <laughs> but you see well, that, you see, I, I mean, you, you'll be in the same boat as me. Every Christmas, every birthday, you get something bought for you that doesn't make sense. So every birthday for me, I get bought a book by my daughter and she brings a book and it could be by any author that I've not heard of, sometimes I have, and I'll have written on the side of it, book six. And I'll say to her, <laughs> you've bought me book six. So you, what you're basically saying is, I've now got to go and buy books one to five. Might not enjoy books one to five, but I'm going to have to get them in order to read your book six. And she'll go, oh, yeah, didn't didn't notice that. So, yeah, I suppose I could have done that. I might have started X-Wing with Wedge's Gamble and thought I'm just going to miss the first one out. <laughs> there you go, very possible. That's really unappreciative. Rich, you should really just say to it, oh, that's brilliant, lovely present. I've told her to give us a book talk and if she wants to buy his books, but she never listens. You, do you know what? This, this, is quite, this is quite funny. My father-in-law is 20 miles down the road from you, and he would also say, oh, what am I going to do with book six? So perhaps there's something to do with your area, the, the bluntness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's much more likely that she walks into Waterstones and sees book six, you know, two for a ten or something like that. You know, that's probably, <laughs> probably, probably what it is, whereas book one's six quid. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rich, they all, they all sound brilliant. You're recommending me the X-Wing Rogue Squadron, yeah? Yes, X-Wing Rogue Squadron, without a doubt. Um, you know, and, and there's no reason why the X-Wing Rogue Squadron couldn't actually be canon because, of the, you know, it doesn't touch the big three, you know, very much at all. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And uh, hopefully we will see something like that. The, the TV show seems to be the route they're going and it, it sounds like it's kind of set up for that kind of system to be on the screen oh, i hope so i'd love to watch next wing's tv series yeah gotta be um better than resistance that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey i'm sure you one of you two just does enjoy resistance i just can't get into it yeah, i've watched them all in the dire uh, i kind of i think i'm about halfway through i'm just i haven't gone back to it yet doesn't get the better completest in me just feels like i need to get through it yeah i felt the same i've even got the <laughs> books the books are better than the the, the tv show I would hope so. Rich, can I just can I just say what a, what a great uh, curated list this is? Stuart Stuart sent me over last night, uh-huh. and um, I, I I looked through the, the the books, and it's a it's a really good cross section. Mm-hmm. That's what I went for. And eras and yeah. yeah. I mean, I could I could easily do another five that I love just as much. You know, that uh, like you said the Lost Tribe of the Sith. I remember, you know, that one's another set of short stories, seven from memory. 
Um, and that's set like, you know, so far, you know, hundreds of years earlier before the Phantom Mist. That's an, another another great set of books, you know. So you two both seem to like um, the books you've mentioned, Rich. Craig's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love this one as well. Craig's mentioned a couple. You've gone, yeah, I love that. So I think the pair of you need to start up a book club <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you're very... Uh, in sync together when it comes to the books um yeah you both dislike the same at the beginning as well so uh yeah so if anyone wants to join the uh the <laughs> no, Spivey Hutch, really, Hutch book really club really enjoyed this. yeah, yeah. I, I said on the intro show it's like, i've never really hung out with book people so it's really interesting to talk to somebody else who's read these and and kind of have uh you know have your views validated a little bit mm-hmm. um with what was what was good and what was perhaps not so good very good point. Well, just to our listeners, um, as you might have heard in the previous shows this month, um, I am going to do a big book giveaway in the final show of the month. So during this uh, show, I have purchased a nice copy of Vector Prime and I've also managed to find the audiobook of We Don't Do Weddings by Kathy, Kathy, whoever, Kathy Tyres, I think her name is. Can't read my own writing there from the uh, Moss Isley Cantina things on CD. So we'll add both of those to the pile for that price one so get involved on that last show rich thank you so much for taking your time to come on um bit different to the usual collecting collecting kind of interviews so um yeah you're, you're an obvious choice when it came to books and i'll let you off you do know your stuff i think you i think you've read your books <laughs> yeah cheers guys i mean you know, i always enjoy talking to you you know the same as craig um back in the day i was talking to people on jedi net and the force.net you know through uh, message boards and things talking about books but you know, it all it all went away when when the when the collecting took over and nobody else was interested. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kept you in. It kept you in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But cheers for having us on, guys. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Really do appreciate it, Rich. Just before we go, don't forget check us out on YouTube by searching Generation Skywalker on our social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Generation Skywalker, and of course at www.generationskywalker.com, where you'll find all our blogs all our um, enhanced versions and all our shows with links, etc., to it. Yeah, Rich, thank you once again, mate. Really do appreciate it and um, uh, look forward to having you on again in the future for collecting. Absolutely. My pleasure, mate. Uh, thank you, Craig. Thank you. I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Really did. Um, so it is also good night from me. We are Generation Skywalker.